Welcome to the Inside Startup Investing Podcast, powered by King's Crowd. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lestrino. From discussions with founders and VCs to industry experts and special guests, we want to provide you with the inside scoop on all things startup investing. Whether you're investing $50 a deal or $500,000 a deal, we have the stories you need to hear before clicking invest. From the metaverse to spaceflight and beyond, join us as we explore the world of startup investing for all. And now, onto this week's episode. Hey everyone, I am excited for today's episode as we are joined by Harvey Multani, the founder of RUV Alliance and a fintech industry insider with stops at Adapar, Coinbase, and Plaid. If you've ever wished all that time spent in Slack could bring you more value than just looking at a bunch of emojis with your colleagues, then look no further. Uh, Harvey and the RUV Alliance team are making investing in startups via Slack super easy. And the best part is it takes just a few clicks to get started and there are no fees. It's a really, really cool concept that I've been following for a while and he's been doing really, really well. Uh, So with that, let's get into it. Harvey, thank you so much for joining us here today. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me here. 100%. So just to kick it off for those who don't know you and for those who don't know RUV Alliance, give us a little background on yourself and what it is that you're building at RUV. Absolutely. So my background is pretty much entirely in the fintech space. I started my career at a company called Adapar. Adapar builds software for wealth managers, family offices, private banks, basically a data aggregation analytics and reporting platform to show you what you own. Uh, They hate when I describe it this way, but it's mint for billionaires. So uh, I was at Adapar uh, working on data aggregation. And then after that, I ran a startup briefly in the core banking technology space. And uh, that was very challenging for all the reasons that are pretty obvious to imagine. And so we ended up winding that down. I then joined Coinbase in early 2015 to work on sort of a nascent institutional initiative. So the thinking was, how do we get hedge funds, family offices, proprietary trading groups, et cetera, to trade Bitcoin? And while there was a lot of initial interest, it was just still too early and the laws were, you know, still very much in flux at that time. And uh, after that, I joined Plaid uh, right after their Series A. So I joined probably employee number 27, 28 uh, on the go-to-market side. So got a chance to see a lot of fintech companies building from the ground up since they would often come to us first as one of their primary vendors and partners. And after that, I uh, sort of, uh, you know, worked on some of my own ventures and initiatives and uh, started doing a lot of angel investing. And I started noticing this trend of syndication becoming very popular. So it was really cool to be able to get into deals uh, through uh, special purpose vehicles. But, you know, the process was still very opaque. Uh, It was kind of expensive in terms of uh, being charged carry. And it was also sometimes uh, easy to lose the allocation and deal if a bigger, stronger investor wanted it. So I was uh, co-leading an SPV uh, in the summer of 2019. And we had a situation where basically we had a lot more LP, uh, some of the other LPs, um, you know, from one of our partners wanted more allocation. And so we had to trim back some of the folks that we brought in. And I thought, well, how do I make it so this never happens again? And I started working on this thing called employee-led SPVs. And this is what led me to REV Alliance. And what we were doing was I figured startups really like retaining their employees and uh, employees really like startup equity. But um, it's kind of hard to get more equity because you're limited by the size of the options pool. So why don't I find employees at top startups and why don't I partner with them to uh, raise an SPV to invest in their startup and split the carry with them half and half? So we did a few of these deals and it it worked out really well. Uh, But the issue was it was just very hard to scale. I mean, you have to find like the right timing, the right employee, the right founder. It just it was too heavy. So I ended up winding that down. 
And I started noticing an interesting pattern though, is a lot of CEOs start asking, well, how do I do this? But basically for my whole company, but where I'm managing the SPV. And I started like getting those sorts of questions. And in parallel, I started noticing some of my portfolio companies setting up an SPV run by the CEO and essentially just using that as an administration tool to bring in angels, but at no fee. And then my head exploded and I realized this was going to be the future of fundraising. And around that time, Angelus came out with their RUV product, their roll-up vehicle product to basically streamline all of that. And the challenge then was that you couldn't really find uh, roll-up vehicle deals unless you knew the founder. So it didn't really solve the discovery problem. So I kind of was lamenting about this on, Sla on uh, Twitter one day. A founder DM me and said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could set up like a Airtable or a public Google sheet or something or like a private group? I said, yeah, that would be cool. Let me like set up a Discord group and see what happens. So I spun up this Discord group and uh, within like, you know, 24 hours, we just had hundreds of people clamoring to join. And so we figured we struck a nerve. And, you know, basically since July of 2021, it's been one long day. Uh, we've done over 120 deals. We have over 1,200 accredited investor members. I estimate anywhere from one-fourth to one-fifth of those are qualified purchasers. Uh, we have a really active community and people are always bringing in deals and, you know, we have like probably on average three to five new investors joining daily. So it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride. That's unbelievable. And it sounds like you kind of have that, that right mix. It's funny because when people hear like individuals getting involved in deals, I think they think one certain thing and we've even found it in the world that we're in, um, is most of them still are accredited and very wealthy. And the reality is they don't, even they don't have good access to deal flow. And what if you could solve that equation? And that's one of those things that you're you're helping to solve for. Um, for people who don't know what an RUV is, can you just explain that a little bit more? Absolutely. Uh, RUV is, it's a bit of a marketing term. It's basically shorthand for uh, a special purpose vehicle that does not charge any fees to the investors. And also uh, the voting rights for that vehicle are actually proxied to the founder. So what does that actually mean? Tactically, if you're a founder, instead of having 50 angels on your cap table, you can basically have a single Delaware partner, limited partnership uh, or limited liability company on your cap table. So one line item, one signature, one wire transfer, and you get to keep the voting rights. But at the same time, you can offer a sort of one-click checkout type experience to your investors where you just send them a link and you know they can invest and you know have their funds ACH'd in or wired in or you know pay with USD coin or whatever it is these days. And uh, it's a really smooth experience for everybody. So um, that's that's what fundamentally what a roll-up vehicle is. Got it. And in terms of how RUVs differ from traditional angelist syndicates, can you get into that a little bit too? Absolutely. So my understanding is that they're functionally the same underneath, except that the CEO is effectively the syndicate lead. And so the CEO decides what ter terms are. The CEO decides how much will be raised. The CEO decides when the deal will close, which investors um, can or cannot participate. They have like line item veto on all the investors. It's functionally, you know, your standard syndicate or SPV, but without fees and with a CEO in total control. Got it. I know there's definitely founders listening into this and even investors listening into this who, you know, have founders they work with and are going, whoa, this sounds like a really cool way to raise some money. How does a founder apply to be a part of RUV and kind of get featured into this, this ecosystem? So we are a bit unique in terms of how we operate. Uh, so while we look like a syndicate that basically, that effectively a syndicate that doesn't charge fees, we found that the most effective way for us to operate is to actually be investor first. So unlike a traditional syndicate where the syndicate lead goes out and finds deals and then pushes those deals to the members and basically gets paid a 20% of the realized gains as sort of the fee for doing this whole sales process, since we don't really have that sort of economics, what we found works really well is the reverse. 
So what we do is we effectively talk to all our members, you know, we query and we say, hey, what does everybody want to invest in? So, you know, you get the obvious names like, oh, I want SpaceX, I want Stripe, you know, et cetera, right? Which is great. You know, we'll, we'll eventually, you know, start making inroads on those sorts of names. But, you know, there are a lot of like Series A, B, C, seed companies that are very popular that in a lot of our, a lot of our members are like pretty hardened, experienced operators. Best way to describe them, they're not the folks that rely on a syndicate leader fund manager for diligence. They're the people that syndicate leads and fund managers call for diligence. And <laughs> so they really just, you know, they're busy foot people. They just want the ability to see these deals and they know they already know what they want to buy. So in terms of how a founder can get access to these lines, there's two ways. One is essentially if your deal is um, receives sufficient commits, somebody requests it in our group and it's received sufficient commits, uh, like which is generally around 50K of soft interest, then we will reach out to the founder and we will invite them in. So that's option one. Option two is if an alliance member who has already invested in the company wants to bring them in, in which case we'll, of course, process any referrals. But th that's it. We actually, for a while, we used to have cold submission on our website. And um, it was at a point where I think at one point we were publishing a deal every hour, and <laughs> which you can imagine got really crazy. So investors really liked it. Like there's no investor who's going to say no to deal flow, especially if it's async, they don't have to take any meetings. So that's great. What we found was there were a lot of founders who were coming in who were like, you know, either very early or, you know, whatever it might be. And if you're a founder and, you know, you talk to 20 investors and, you know, you maybe only get interest from one of them, it's, it can kind of be tempting to ascribe that to like, oh, my network wasn't big enough or I didn't talk to enough people, you know, et cetera. If, you're, if your entire deal, you were able to package ex exactly how you wanted to and you send it out to 1,200 investors and you get no interest, that's soul crushing. Eh. And so I just, it kind of got just a little depressing for me to see, um, you know, some situations like that. So I said, look, let's, let's, let's put up some filter because we have 1200 members in our group. If your deal, if your company is strong, we're going to see it. Like we, we will find it. That's kind of what we do. So, uh, that's why we switched to that model. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you're right. That can be very, very soul crushing. It's like, well, now what? <laughs> exactly. This is obviously a very kind of different model. It's almost like a, a digital club, right? For, for angel investing. How do you think the future of capital raising from angels looks like based on the types of behaviors you're seeing in the RUV community? Yes. So the companies that tend to do the strongest uh, that we see are the ones where effectively the customers of that uh, company are already trying, clamoring to invest. And uh, there's a couple of companies like that we worked with, like Law Trades, um, you know, very popular uh, recent example. And like when we find is basically... Founders who really understand incentives tend to do the best. And so I think the future sort of that we'll see is instead of like a company doing a series A, a B, and then doing a community round, frankly, kind of as a marketing exercise, I think we're going to see more companies that are basically built community first and where the first money in is from the community. And if that money is not coming in from the community, we're going to kind of see that as like severely negative signal because it's like if the people who understand your product, pay for your product, talk to you fairly often, aren't willing to like, you know, put write a 1K check into you. I mean, there's probably some serious things that need to be uh, reevaluated. Um, I mean, of course, there are exceptions if it's like, a, you know, certain types of companies where, you know, accredited investors aren't really part, part of their population pool of um, potential customers. But um, I think otherwise, the community round is the future. Yeah, I, I love that because it's like, <laughs> if you can't raise from the people who love your product or maybe don't, and that's why they won't invest. But if you can't raise from them, what in the world makes you think it's going to be any easier to raise from venture cap? Like that should be the biggest red flag is you don't have the ability to raise from your community because either you don't have one or they don't like you very much. I mean, I, I think it's such a damning statement. I, I couldn't agree more. 
um, I think there's obviously an incredible amount of value. And and to that point, can we talk a little bit about, you know, how do you think that the RUV world differs from the equity crowdfunding world? And then how do you think an issuer might use each of those different lines? A lot of these new structures like regulation crowdfunding, um, 506C, public uh, fundraising, these are all very complementary. And I, I think of them in a stepladder fashion. So to set up an RUV, a private RUV is like a 15 minute process. There's virtually no regulatory lift and it's uh, very straightforward and, and simple to do. And now you have access to this gigantic pool of investors who very much like they understand what RUVs are. They understand investing in startups like that's us. Like we built that pool of people and we're continuing to grow that pool of investors. So if you're a founder, the easiest way to get started with fundraising is to do a private RUV. So and, and you know, we really heavily rely on angels. We love them as a partner. Uh, we think they have the best product on the platform, but fundamentally we're platform neutral. So if somebody else, you know, whenever if you're listening to this three years in the future and there's some other thing, use that. But fundamentally, you can set up an RUV on AngelList within like 15 minutes. Send that link out uh, to the your customers is what I recommend first. Um, and, you know, obviously check with your counsel about the right way to do that. But get that initial bit of momentum. Come to a group like us. And then from there, once you feel like you've exhausted all the private interest. I think then it's very easy to actually switch your RUV from private race to public race. So it's, it's literally just one email. And once you do that, everything's the same, except A, you can solicit publicly. So you can have all your investors, you know, blast it on Twitter, send it out to your email list, buy billboards on the 101 freeway in, in, in California, whatever you want to do. And, um, but this is, and the only difference is then they have to, the investors have to verify their accreditation status, which most, you know, of the time has already been done anyway. It's only has to be done one time per investor, you know, per platform. That's a very easy switch. And then once you've exhausted all the public accredited interest, then think about doing a reg CF campaign, because those are like, while you are able to get a wider pool of investors, it's a lot heavier of a regulatory lift. And frankly, it costs a lot more money. Like I think on, on average, I think if you're raising $5 million through on a reg CF campaign and you're paying the standard market rate of like 8% of your paid in capital goes to you know the platform, uh, like a, a reg CF campaign could actually cost 350 times more than an RUV campaign for raising the same amount of money. Well, yeah, it, it sounds like an RUV is almost, almost free uh, for, for a founder to use, which is very, very cool. And obviously- if I've learned anything of being a founder, anything that saves you money or costs you no money is something you should probably do. Um, let's talk a little bit about the companies that you've seen raise via the RUV Alliance. Um, how much are they typically raising? Are these pre-seed, seed stage companies? Are they series A companies? Is it the whole gamut? We'd love to hear a little bit about that dynamic. Absolutely. It's been sort of all over the map. It's very company specific. So, you know, while we tried to find some benchmarks uh, at different stages, um, it's very company specific. So, you know, we've done um, in like uh, a number of Series B companies uh, like um, Alto IRA, we've done, we actually participate in Angelus Series C as well. Um, so those are in like the, you know, like called in like the 200 to 600,000 range, like some of those deals. Uh, we've done a number of Series A's. Um, so like Lex Markets, for example, it's a commercial real estate uh, a technology company, a fintech company. Um, so, uh, and then we've done a number of like seed uh, pre-Series A companies. So for example, two really popular deals uh, that closed a while back were Dukan, which is like the Shopify of India and JAR, which is sort of like the acorns of India, but you know, investing in gold instead of index funds. Um, so both very cool companies. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of uh, companies like that. We're eventually actually, so one other principle of our group is like extreme radical transparency. Uh, and so one of the things we're going to do is actually have a leaderboard on our website of like all the deals that have closed, how much was raised, how many LPs, what was the average check size, min, max, like essentially. So you as a founder can eventually like use that data to figure, think about how to like essentially structure your round. 
transparency is something we preach all the time at King's Crowd, and I really do believe that it's it's so important to drive uh, efficiency into the market, right? Some of the reasons why I think we're seeing things uh, generally implode around us is because of of that lack of transparency that's existed for so long. And then you realize, oh, the bottom falls out and no one's been thinking about that. Um, so bringing that transparency, I think it really save us a lot of pain uh, uh, down the road. So you have this model. It's a free model. It's kind of this club. How does RUV grow? How do you, you know, is there a plan to make money? What does that look like? Yeah, so the current thinking, the current strategic vision we're thinking is there's two big problems we want to solve. Um, one is investor access to these deals. And we're getting really close to a scalable solution for that, which is where you as an investor, like it should be as easy to invest in SpaceX as it is to invest in Tesla. Like it's kind of absurd that you have to pay gigantic amount of fees to invest in SpaceX, but it's the, literally the same company, same legal structure, same CEO or, or same CEO. And uh, you can invest for free on Robinhood. So I think there, that's like a fundamental absurdity that needs to be addressed. So, and I think we're actually getting very close to that. And our, you know, as our investor base crosses, like, you know, we've crossed 1,200 investors. We could, you know, as we cross 10,000, 100,000, we'll get to the point where, uh, you know, we have a pretty significant amount of investors in our group. So solving access, I think we're pretty close to. The second thing we want to solve is we have all these investors in the group. Deals are very active. What should you pay for one of these companies? And that valuation question is actually a huge one because that, I think, is the biggest source of stress for founders. Because in the absence of a huge public market that's setting prices with lots of secondary trading, like the public markets, you as a founder, um, like actually, how do you price your offering? And most of the way people do it is through a blind auction. Uh, it's, it's hilarious that you could be like, oh, I'm, doing a I'm building a 3D printed you know, rocket engine company. How are you pricing the value of the company, the sum total of the economic output of all the innovative people at your company? Uh, well, we're just like texting and emailing and calling people and asking them what they think. And like based on some numbers that may or may not be transparent. So it's kind of absurd. So what we eventually want to do is make it so that you effectively as an investor can say, you know, what? I'm interested in this company at this valuation. And I would do this much of that valuation. Like, let's say $100,000 at a $10 million valuation. So what that means is we can eventually show a graph where the x-axis is a valuation. The y-axis is the amount of commit interest. And you can see effectively the depth of market. So now you as a founder can see, wow, okay, there's you know $100,000 worth of interest at $10 million valuation. There's $500,000 at $8 million valuation. And then, hmm, what could I do to make these numbers go up, at, like shift to the right? So often that means you improve your traction or you improve your transparency or you improve your community or, you know, ideally all three. And so we want to see a future where basically founders don't have to like, they don't have to basically like scramble to find investors and they don't have to scramble to think about valuation. They can just focus on making their company stronger. That's pretty cool. And would that be like a paid service where they're utilizing some sort of almost like management platform to figure out what all that looks like? It could go that direction. In terms of monetization, we've thought about a number of different options, sort of a subscription, a premium subscription is a thing that I think everybody sort of brings up. And that's probably a direction we'll go. I mean, another thing we thought about, this is kind of off the wall, and I, this is probably the first time I'm actually talking about this out loud. But one thing we thought about is basically people, the product that we fundamentally sell is, we're well not sell, but the product that like reason people come to us is yeah. a kind of a mix of a deal access and carry insurance, like they can invest in the same deal on some through some syndicate, but they're going to you know potentially pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars in carried interest. And so what we were thinking is, what if like we made our ownership and the alliance a product itself? Like so instead of like so your subscription, like if you want to like you know access the alliance, you put like one k into a safe, you know, and then every right. year we increment you know the cap on the safe. 
So something like that, where it's like the product you're buying is ownership. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm always curious to hear these things as we think about the the rise of kind of the new angel and what the future looks like. Any demographic info or kind of profile info on the typical user you're seeing on your platform? Oh, that's a great question. It is all over. Um, generally, well, I would say the vast majority are have some sort of technical background, um, like whether it's an undergraduate en engineering degree, whether it's a graduate engineering degree or, or science, technology, engineering, math type degree. Um, so a lot of folks are like pretty good, like complexity does not scare a lot of these people and they don't want like the executive summary, like they want the appendix and the footnotes. And so, uh, we generally, that, that's probably a big, uh, part of our group in terms of like geographic focus, it's like probably 60, 70% people from California. And then it's like New York, Boston, et cetera. And we are just starting to see a bit more coming internationally, a lot from India, like a huge amount, uh, actually from India in terms of our international exposure. But um, yeah, aside from that, it's, it tends to be people with a uh, pretty significant operating experience for the ones at public companies, they'll tend to be either VPs, CXOs, um, directors, managers, um, you know, et cetera, at like, you know, some of the more uh, accomplished technology companies. Last question for you here. Obviously a huge fan. I think it's really interesting. Anything that opens deal flow access brings more transparency. That is right in our wheelhouse of what we care about here at King's Crowd. Um, how can people sign up for RUV and get started? Absolutely. It's super easy. Uh, if you go to ruvalliance.com, so like Roger Ultra Victor Alliance.com, and you know, it's a very quick sign-up process. As long as you're a credit investor, you're in. And then uh, we essentially will publish deals through our Slack group and we'll publish deals via our email list. If you have deal requests, you can request them in our Slack group. And, uh, you know, we have a whole like investor dashboard where you can see like every deal that's live, every deal that's requested, every deal where we're in conversation. So there's no secrets in this group and everyone has access to every channel, which is kind of, it makes a lot of people's heads explode when they, when they log in and they actually realize what it is they're looking at. Like they'll, they'll like click on a channel that's like for a different company and they'll see like, wait a minute, like, are they like negotiate? Are they like, like, like structuring this deal in front of me? Like, and, and it's like all these like conversations that are normally done in secret or, you know, at coffee shops or Zooms, et cetera. And it's all happening. And everyone's, there's like, you know, 200 people on the channel, like watching this whole conversation happen. And it's kind of like, uh, I like to refer to it as almost like the original Wall Street, where there was a wall and a street in front of it. And people were just like shouting over each other. And we kind of like almost recreated that dynamic, but in a more like, you know, calm and pleasant way online. Nice. The future of Wall Street right here. I love it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Harvey. Thank you so much for your time today. And for those who are accredited, here's an opportunity to find even more deal flow, even more transparency. You go to ruvalliance.com and sign up. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for the, the insights and have a wonderful day. Likewise. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. Before you go, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like or a positive review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and share our latest episodes. And if you like what you heard and want to learn more about how we can help you manage your startup investing search, diligence, and management at King's Crowd, check us out at kingscrowd.com. Thanks, and until next time, happy investing.